Roy Sharples. Welcome to the Unknown Origins podcast. Why are you listening to this podcast? Are you seeking inspiration, an industry expert looking for insights or growing your career? I created the Unknown Origins podcast to provide access to insights and content from creators worldwide with inspirational conversations and storytelling about art, architecture, design, entrepreneurship, fashion, film, music, and pop culture. Brian Breaker is president and editor-in-chief of Brooklyn Magazine. He is an award-winning journalist who has written, reported, and edited for various national and local media outlets. Hello and welcome, Brian. So what inspired and attracted you to being a journalist in the first place? It's partially a fluke, uh, luck, circumstance, and it's partially um, growing up. I'll start growing up. I've always just enjoyed writing and it's really my only marketable skill is that I can string a couple sentences together, even though I maybe can't do it while I'm speaking. Um, but when I sit down and write, it, I can do it and it uh, is pleasurable to me. And I've always sort of enjoyed um, writing. I'm not good with numbers. I'm not good with strategy and all that stuff. Um, I like telling a story and I'm not good at fiction. So that leaves nonfiction um, and telling interesting stories and entertaining people has always been uh, interesting to me. And um, I like, you know, there's the ego thing of being the first to tell someone something that's always fun. Just be like, Hey, I got, you know, it's, it's equal parts gossip, equal parts, enjoying telling a good story. Um, that's just sort of how I'm innately wired as far as professionally, I um, actually went to graduate school. I never studied journalism. I um, studied literature in college and in gra I went to graduate school for international affairs, which is its own weird story. Um, and after grad school, I was in Washington, D.C. and temping because I couldn't, you know, I hadn't really had any real world, world work experience. I went straight to grad school after college. So I was working for a temp agency in Washington, D.C., and they actually put me in a lot of interesting places. Uh, one of them was um, the Washington Post. And I, and I ended up at the Washington Post's marketing department. Uh, the Washington Post is a big, obviously, nationally and globally renowned newspaper, but it's also a, a, an active member of the Washington, D.C. community. So it organizes the script spelling bee and it's very involved in the community and the marketing department is very involved with that. So I found myself in the Washington Post um, marketing department, never having studied journalism, barely, you know, I, I, I liked obviously reading, you know, this is when Slate was just coming out. Salon was just coming out. There was a new form of online um, narrative journalism that was really interesting. Uh, and I saw people in the newsroom. I saw, you know, I'd see Ben Bradley walking around. I'd see Catherine Graham and Don Graham. I would see Howard Kurtz there, you know, Tony Kornheiser, all these people who were in the newsroom, in the bullpen, and you would see their names in the newspaper the next day. And there was excitement to it. And there was the, you know, I would see Bob Woodward show up from time to time. So there was this amazing heritage and legacy and impactful journalism being done every day day uh and i wanted to be a part of it and so there was an there was an opening in the metro section 
very, very junior um, job, essentially data entry for the, the early internet, um, you know, calendars and current event, you know, uh, community events in, in local uh markets in Maryland and Virginia. So I, was, I, I applied for the job and they're like, you have a master's in international affairs. This is about as local as it can get. And you're not a reporter. You're literally entering, you know, events into the database. And, and I said, well, I want to, I want to sit in this room and figure it out. And uh, that was my first job job. And from there I started freelancing stories and contributing to the newspaper and, and they wouldn't hire me uh, as a full-time writer and sort of a reporter until I had several more years experience somewhere else. So it was time at a certain point to move on, uh, which I did, but you know, it was a bug that bit me and it, and it sort of appealed to that way. I'm like I said, wired early on. Um, and it just felt right. And I love, you know, and the first time you see your byline in the newspaper and the, is really exciting. And the first time you're sitting on the bus and you look over someone's shoulder and they're reading the newspaper and they're reading your story, it's very exciting. It's an intoxicating uh, feeling. Of course, you know, it's not all about yourself. Yeah. Having an impact on how the news of the day can be communicated and influence people's lives by creating awareness and empathy, having empathy and encouraging people and communities to, to take positive action. That's exactly it. And I was never, you know, I was never like a really hard news beat reporter. I, I did a little bit, you know, I, when I moved to, I moved to Boston after that and I worked in a small town newspaper and I was covering like zoning board meetings, town hall meetings, the real guts of yeah. civic government. And that was exciting, but I was never really on the cop beat. I was never breaking scandals or anything like that. But what I found the most rewarding over time was that you would tell people stories and it's a way for them to feel heard. Yeah. And sometimes those stories, um, once they're out in the world, do alter that person's life for the better. They get their, their story out and they get the help they need, or they get the connections that they needed or whatever problem the story was about gets solved. And that's probably the most rewarding aspect of it. It's not necessarily breaking news or like being the first to say, you know, what, whatever it's, it's, you know, especially in what I'm doing now, which is community lifestyle journalism, it's hardly, you know, Pulitzer winning stuff, but you are writing about people, real people living real lives and telling their stories, hopefully that find an audience and it, and, to leave the world a little better or leave someone's world a little better. That's the goal. What is your creative process, Brian, in terms of how do you make the invisible visible by dreaming up ideas in terms of new, new stories, new themes, new narratives, and then developing them into concepts and then bringing them to actual actualization through the written word. My creative process is, you know, it, now it's, I wake up in the morning and it's like, you know, if I, if I, can, if I can save shit, <laughs> I wake up in the morning and I say, well, shit, I have a website that I need to update. And I have a newsletter that goes out twice a week and I got to fill it. So the, there's the pure like um, anxiety of ha having this unfillable void <laughs> of the internet to, keep fed. Um, but no, I mean, my creative process, you know, to the, is they're, they're different. It depends. It depends on the story. It depends on the day. It depends on what's interesting. Um, there, there are little things that are just, you know, there's 
whether there are other local outlets that are reporting on some sort of announcement or development or something. And then you, you just sort of pounce on that and aggregate it and you give them credit, you link back to them and all that. But the, you know, that's very sort of rote and um, not as creative, but then, you know, creatively in terms of telling stories, it's really just being a good listener. Um, so I, so it's very, you know, and it's very strange for me to be on this, end of the interview and you know if i sound like i'm squirming a little it's because i am i'm not used to being the one talking um i like listening and and you and you listen enough you meet enough people you start connecting dots and thinking you know realizing there's a trend here or this is a thing that that not a lot of people are talking about but it exists let's shine a light on it or just asking questions and going you know and going out being the social person and you know it happens all the time where i wasn't planning on being out at you know lunch or uh at some event that i didn't particularly was not particularly dying to go to but then you you meet people you just always sort of keep yourself open open to opportunities, open to people, open to conversations. And then you, you start seeing patterns and you start hearing things that other people aren't hearing. And, and that's where it starts. What are the key skills needed to survive and thrive as a journalist? Uh, you need thick skin. Um, you need not to feed the trolls. You need, um, you need, to listen uh, again, like I, it does always come back to listening. It's as much as the job is telling stories. You can't tell a good story unless you listen and you hear people and you have to admit when you're wrong. Um, integrity is so crucial. You, you, there are too many people that, that, that are worried about being wrong or making a mistake or admitting that they're wrong and making a mistake. And that sort of compromises the integrity. It's never fun to admit like, Oh, we, we screwed this one up, but sometimes you have to. Um, so, you know, uh, there's integrity, there's thick skin, there's listening and there's a sense of humor. Um, there are too many super earnest people in the world. And this is just a, you know, life is just absurd at its core. It's like you have to remember that. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, a certain amount of playfulness and empathy. Empathy is a big one. Based on your career to date, Brian, what are your lessons learned in terms of the pitfalls to avoid and the keys yeah. to success that you can share with existing, but also aspiring journalists? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, I think one of the keys to success is just sticking around. I mean, the fact that I'm, you just got to keep doing it and you get better as you do it, uh, unless you get jaded, if you get jaded and bored, then it's maybe time to move on. But, uh, perseverance, uh, is key. A pitfall to avoid is, is, uh, thinking that you're always right or that you are some sort of, uh, ultimate authority just because you have a platform. You always owe that platform and you owe your audience um the, the most respect and um you know you have to treat them smart and treat them as if they're smart and you have to be smart in the way you treat them um so you know pitfalls are the fact that people don't really trust journalists which is a shame so that is incumbent on you to be all the more transparent and open and communicative from where you're coming from in terms of your agenda. Um, and, you know, whether they admit it or not, everyone has some kind of agenda. And I think that 
that especially with you know how bifurcated media has become and what it so you know what a echo chamber it is and the social media um really amplifying mistruths it's become harder and harder to to do the job and it's also become less and less of a popular job as i was saying so those are it's hard and that goes back to having thick skin you have to have thick skin you have to um stick around and you have to be transparent and and um and even then <laughs> people don't love you so it's um it, it's not a, a popularity contest for sure but um those are the pitfalls in my opinion we live in a consumer led instantly gratified celebrity culture that fuels the world social media mobility and the internet dominate our lives and social routine People have an insatiable appetite for engagement and a curiosity for new experiences and, and content and information. But how can you best cut through the noise and communicate with audiences when they're being besieged with content? Journalism has seen a rapid move to media by the masses by having countless contributions from non-journalists. And I regularly read the social reviews and commentary rather than the story itself, which begs the question, who's in control now and who actually is the, the journalist? Journalism is at its best when it provides accurate news by keeping people informed of what may be important to them in their, their everyday lives and the ongoing events within their community, within their society, within the world, and helping us make the best possible decisions about our the things that we need to make decisions upon in our, in our everyday lives. Also, it helps fuel democracy and freedom of speech, which brings us onto the, the woke culture and cancel or call out culture, which can help drive accountability for actions, which is a great thing. However, on the downside of this, it can sometimes prevent the open exchange of opinions and getting to the truth of a matter and at its worst is where it enables criminal threats, bullying people to suicide and a mass invasion of privacy. You know, I avoid terms like cancel culture. I think that I think more and more people are being held accountable for their words and, and deeds yeah. and misdeeds. And I think that's a good thing. I think people should be, you know, I, I don't believe people get canceled, but I, I think that, you know, if you did something that was horribly offensive or, yeah. you know, or, or, or illegal or whatever, you should be held accountable. Um, I do think, you know, also a buzzword that is not, not my favorite thing is the, the woke culture. I do think that there is a, especially in the, in the younger generations, there is a hypersensitivity there that, that is maybe a little worrisome. So it's like, there's a two, there, there are two, two, forces that work against each other one is that cancel culture is not a thing it's being held accountable for your actions but on the other hand um there are people who are who, uh, want everything to be held accountable for everything you know everything so you know there's <laughs> yeah. got to be some sort of you know there's there's so much heat and very little you know um there's a lot of noise and very very a lot of noise and very little sort of real signal in, in between the two. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, uh, the, to your point, you know, you do, you come correct. You do your research, you, you, you do your reporting, you have your facts, you have your, if you're making an argument, you, you make it persuasively. I'm not in necessarily in the argument business. I'm in the telling a, a story. Here's what happened or here's what yeah. this person's story is business. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I think, you know, who are you? Who am I to be that person? And so you have to be really aware of, um, you know, who you're reading and who's telling you the story and why they're telling you the story. And, um, hopefully that person or organization will tell you who they are and why they're writing the story. And they're transparent about where their backers are, who their backers are and what, you know, what their goal is. Um, but I'm not in the persuasion business at all. And what, you know, I'm in the, um, ideally again you know and i and i start another word that gets tossed around a bit a lot is storytelling but you know fundamentally what we do is we publish stories um and and hopefully they entertain and inform um delight or frustrate but they're they're fact based in fact and we can back that up and um and that's the the and, and we're representing as much of the borough and the city as as yeah. we can from our admittedly, you know, limited vantage point. I am one person with one set of experiences and I can't speak for everyone else. So you have to be hyper aware of that. And that's where I think, quote unquote, wokeness is interesting and good is that, you know, everyone has a different experience. Everyone has a different vantage point. Everyone has different, um, you know, orientation to the world. and. Yeah. And there, and, and I think it's good that there isn't just one gatekeeper anymore. There isn't just one Walter Cronkite or Edward R. Murrow. I think the de- democratization of media is is on balance good. The ability for people to respond to stories and comment on them, you know, as long as they're not, you know, being, you know, dicks about yeah, it. And, absolutely. And, um, and that's the, that's fine. Um, I encourage that sort of dialogue and I've definitely received feedback from readers where it made me think, okay, you're right. I have to incorporate this viewpoint more, or I have to, you know, think, I didn't think about it from that angle. And other times it's just like there, there, there's a lot of vitriol in the comments too, that is not grounded in, in, in reality necessarily. Tilting forward, Brian, what's your vision for the future of journalism and where do you see the role of creativity play? Yeah, in the future of journalism, man, I, you know, I barely understand the past of journalism. <laughs> um, uh, the future of journalism, well, creativity, well, it's interesting because, you know, when you think of journalism, you don't necessarily think it's a, a creative uh, enterprise because, you know, you're out there, you're, you know, Eric Adams gave a press conference and you're reporting on it. And that's, you know, that's it. And, but that's, not it. Um, of course, you know, we're not just stenographers. We have to, um, the creative creativity comes, uh, from curiosity, from asking questions and the right questions and questions that no one else is asking. But in terms of, and I'll say where creativity comes into play in journalism is, is, is how you tell the story. It's, it's all, it's what you tell the story, the angle from which you tell the story, but also, you know, the proliferation of, of tools to tell that story is, is unparalleled and it's exciting. You can do, um, 
you do video, you can do a podcast, you can do, you know, you can do VR, you can do, um, but you know, but ultimately, um, I, and, and this is, and this is not to name drop, but it is kind of cool. I, you know, years and years and years ago, um, I interviewed, um, Tom Brokaw. Was it Tom Brokaw? It was Tom Brokaw. Um, and, you know, we were talking about the end of the early days of the internet and, and I think he had a book out. Um, was it a Brokaw or a couple? Oh, this is so funny. I don't remember what it was, but anyway, I think it was Tom Brokaw. And, and he, uh, he was like, you know, we were talking about online media. We were talking about print. And, um, he said, you know, the most, most powerful message ever written was, was carved into stone. It was the 10 commandments. And like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what the, what the platform is. It's the, it's the message. Um, so that's not going to change. And I think the future of, of journalism, you know, that's a lot of, that's a really fancy, um, expression, but I think that it boils down to the message and it's not, you know, you can be creative in how you tell that, yeah. deliver that message and, and, and all that. But at the end of the day, it's pretty human and it's pretty analog. Um, and, and, you know, the truth shall set you free. The, the written word has been a constant throughout time, but the, the vehicles in terms of how that message gets delivered and through technology advancement has obviously changed and it's helped deliver it in different kind of ways at scale. And that's interesting because for a couple of years and, you know, the trend was for publishers like the Buzzfeeds of the world to chase scale business insiders of the world yeah. you amass as big of an audience as you can you tell every story that's under the sun that you can you every list and 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 you can't you can't really do that and and it, it, they've all scaled back from that they've all stepped back from chasing that scale yeah. um because at the end of the day you know you can't be all things to all people. You have to choose a lane. Exactly. And, um, and I think that, uh, what we're seeing is a return to audience connectivity. You know, if you want to get real into the nuts and bolts of the way journalism is playing out on the ground, I think it's, it's, it's more of a direct link with your audience, knowing your audience, you're not telling every single news story under the sun every day you you are delivering something of value to your yeah. audience um whether it's whether it's here are the best places to have brunch or you know here's where city councilor is embezzling money from you know yeah. it but you're providing a service um and you to provide that service you have to know your audience and to know your audience you have to be known to your audience um so it's a, it's it's transactional uh in a way that I think is 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 more sort of explicit than it has been in the past. Your point is poignant about the focus being on personalized content and finding the unique value add in terms of the information for your specific audience and what they need from you. And you then become their go-to in that specific knowledge base and area of expert insight. So quality accurate and consistent delivery of that will generate trust and retain and grow your audience base. And that goes back and that comes back to integrity and that comes back to saying, okay, we were wrong. We screwed this up or transparency. And, and, you know, you're not going to cultivate that audience unless they can 
trust you. Exactly. And as we've seen, it's very hard to garner an audience trust these days. Do you want to learn more about how to create without frontiers by unleashing the power of creativity? Then consider getting Creativity Without Frontiers. How to make the invisible visible by lighting the way into the future. It's available in print, digital and audio on all relevant book platforms. You have been listening to the Unknown Origins podcast. Please follow, subscribe, rate and review us. For more information, go to unknownorigins.com. Thank you for listening. 